are taking over your airwaves. In three, two, one. One, one, one. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Binge Buster Show. Uh, I am super excited about this week's show because it is a milestone. It is something uh, we've been planning now for some time and uh, schedules, conflicting schedules have uh, prevented the Binge Buster show of having this episode. But tonight we are going to be celebrating our 100th episode. And before I can get the, um, the celebration underway, I got to bring on my co-host, my cohort, my co-conspirator. I'm talking about Chris Rock and Roll Plano. Chris, what's going on? Tony, how are you? Oh, my God. Terrific, Tony. I'm so excited. The 100th show tonight, we've hit the century mark. And you know what? When you told me it was the 100th show, I thought back when you first called me years ago or a while back ago and said, Chris, hey, I want to do a podcast. You want to join me? We'll do a couple. We'll see how it goes. And I don't know. It may go. It may not. Who knows? You want to do it with me? I said, absolutely. And now we're at number 100. I can't believe it, Tony. We are rocking and rolling, brother. Man, it has been a wild ride. We have had so many tremendous guests on this show, and I have been in talks with the people that run the great, big, huge WrestleCade, and they have said it that the Binge Buster Show is going to be one of the main podcast uh, shows to help produce um, and uh, promote WrestleCade. So I'm excited. What that and fans at home wondering, well, what's that mean? Well, that means, guys, in the next few weeks, few months, we're going to be bringing on some of the big stars that are going to be there live at WrestleCade. Uh, that is coming up here in the next few weeks. Red Hot Tim Blaze is going to be joining Chris and myself on the Binge Buster Show, and he's bringing. Uh, some people with him. So uh, you got to make sure you uh, download the episode, like us on Facebook. And uh, as soon as I have that schedule of, uh, of uh, guests coming on the show, I will definitely um, po- post that on the Facebook page so that the binge buster listeners will be the first ones to know who that big guest is going to be each week um, up until WrestleCade weekend and at WrestleCade weekend, uh, you got to come there, buy a ticket, come check out the festivities and uh, shake hands and uh, take pictures with me and rock and roll Chris Plano because we'll be there live and in color at WrestleCade. Uh, now, Chris, I, it's been a few weeks since we've had a, a binge buster show due to uh, travel and vacations and just crazy things going on in my life and your life right now. But hey, we are here tonight to celebrate 100th episode and uh, we're, we're taking it back. We're, we're kind of going to do a double, a double episode here. We're going to try to cram this in one hour if we can. Uh, but, uh, before we get into the show, uh, a couple things, uh, today, we, today is Thursday. I'm sorry, Wednesday. Uh, today is Wednesday, July 28th. And Chris, the bad news today, 
Uh, the bass player from one of our favorite bands, ZZ Top, Dusty Hill, passed away unexpectedly in his sleep in Houston, Texas. Uh, Chris, that, that, I mean, I don't know about you, man, but when I read that, my heart literally broke because ZZ Top was such a big part of my childhood growing up, just like pro wrestling. Absolutely. God, what a blow to the concert industry today. And, and God, ZZ Top, they're so legendary, Tony. They've been on, gosh, their final tour, it seems like forever now. And, um, who could forget the, the fuzzy guitars and the long beards and, and, and the nostalgic voice and everything that was easy tops and she's got legs. And I mean, I mean, gosh, what, gosh, it just, man, it just kind of hits you in the gut. And it's like, wow, this is the reality. Like this is happening. This is going on. And, uh, Boy, I, I don't know if ZZ Top would ever even make, I don't know. I don't know where they even go from here, where they even tour again or try to even do any more shows. But, I, you know, the, it's almost like the heart and soul of the band. The, the, it, 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 it's just gone like that. Well, you know, Chris, I did see that ZZ Top was scheduled to perform tonight um, and I believe Ohio, and that show uh, has been canceled and uh Fans have been refunded their money. So uh, if that's any telltale sign, it sounds to me like that could be the the end of ZZ Top. I mean, how how would you replace Dusty Hill? Because, you know, there's been a lot of bands come and go. And, you know, our favorite bands, Motley Crue, Poison, Kiss, they've all been around for a long time. But they haven't been the original members from day one. But ZZ Top, I mean, man, that, that's that's got to be a milestone in itself that a band uh, could stay together, play together 50 years with the same lineup. It It's not even heard of really in – it's really not even heard of today at all. I mean, the same lineup for 50 years with no replacements or substitutions, it makes it very difficult for a band like ZZ Top to find replacements. Yeah, you could throw money at performers and guitarists and singers, but to find the replacements or partial replacements, they're really going to be challenged going forward. And, um, well, just, you know, you know, Tony, I mean, how many deaths have we seen over the last, you know, you know, two, three, four, five years, just overall and just rock and roll. It's, 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 it's staggering. It yeah. really is, and, uh, and 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 here's the stat. <laughs> I don't want to be morbid at all with anyone on the podcast, but God, is this going to stop, or is this kind of a an ongoing trend we're at, we're in now? Right. Yeah. You know, and I thought about that too, Chris. It's like, uh, well, just yesterday I saw that Joey Jordison from Slipknot passed away, uh, and he was, right. I mean, he was younger than you and I. So um, it's just a crazy time, and they're not really saying why and how and when and and then uh two weeks ago uh when we had planned on doing our 100th episode we we weren't able to do it uh because uh we had some uh i, I had some issues come up but the death of mr wonderful paul orndorff i mean that's uh an, another part of our childhood gone and you know if it look look at mr wonderful was it for him uh man wrestlemania one probably wouldn't have been as successful as it was because, um, 
you know, he he and Piper were the main catalyst for this feud with Hulk Hogan. I mean, Hogan had Roddy Piper. I'm sorry, Hogan had Mr. T and Jimmy Snuka, but without Paul Orndorff and, and Roddy Piper's heat, um, I don't think that main event would have drew that well. No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, you know, gosh, rest in peace, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. One of the toughest guys in the professional wrestling business in the other ring, and, without a doubt. And definitely don't ever call him Paula. <laughs> he was, man, he was such oh, a, oh, I love his heat, man. I'm not going to lie to you, Tony. I'm not going to say as a teenager, I was sitting in some crowds up in Connecticut in the WWF, and I might not have spouted it out once or twice. <laughs> but, well, you know, you know, but, but you know what? He loved it because he loved the heat. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and <laughs> regardless, and I, and I, and I know a lot of my listeners out here right now are going to be like, what Tony, are you kidding me right now when you say mm-hmm. this? But I, I'm going to put them ground on the limb. Two things that Paul Orndorff done, um, that I thoroughly enjoyed. Now, no, I did enjoy the WWE stuff. I did, but when he and uh, pretty Paul Roma got together as a tag team known as pretty wonderful, Man, that that team had a great hook. They they had good heat. They won the tag team titles, and they had a awesome theme song. I mean, how could you not listen to this music and just like, oh yeah, this this sounds cool. But uh, but they they end up winning the WCW tag team titles, um, and. Matter of fact, when I went to Star K ninety three, I got to see them in action when they first put the team together, uh, and the assassin was their manager, and they took on Marcus Buff Bagwell. Of course, he wasn't Buff then; um, he was Marcus Alexander and Two Cold Scorpio in the opening event at Star K ninety three in Charlotte at the um, Charlotte Coliseum. And incidentally, while I'm getting to that subject, let's let's talk about what's happening here in the Queen City tonight, Chris. AEW has invaded Crockett territory, um, and my our good friend of the Rock and Roll Express, Robert Gibson, he posted a picture of the line of people outside of the Bojangles Coliseum there in downtown Charlotte uh, on Independence Boulevard. Or, uh, of course, originally, to me, it's going to always be known as the Independence Arena, not Bojangles right. Coliseum, but... Right. AEW's there tonight, Chris. Tell us tell some of the listeners at home like how over AEW is right now in Charlotte. Whew. Let me tell you, Tony, I, I know we're recording this show right now, but the last two hours, two and a half hours at the Bojangles Coliseum tonight has been on fire. I don't know how else to put it beside those two words. Um sold out crowd at the Bojangles Coliseum. They were packed at the Raptors. In old Jim Crockett Promotions Arena, they got so many memories of that arena that ghosts will talk to you. But with that said, all elite wrestling came to town out of Jacksonville, Florida. Charlotte was on the main stage tonight on TNT Network, on you know Turner Network Television. Chris Jericho actually was just in the main event. Chris Jericho did win in a bloodbath. Uh, he did win, but... Uh, Hey, you're seeing some competition here with WWE. AEW is going into major markets now, post-COVID, and they're not scared. 
They're going to be in New York next month at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City, right outside of Brooklyn and, and, and Madison Square Garden in New York. They're taking their show on the road. They're doing their weekly show once a week. They're bringing up these young guys. And AEW is pulling some WWE guys that are coming off a contract into their fold as well. So there's a lot going on in the pro wrestling business. But, hey, a great night for Charlotte. They were on the main stage on national television for a couple hours. And great for pro wrestling. And I'm so happy for all elite wrestling. But I'm really so happy about saw Matt Hardy tonight. And great to still see him on national television. He, I know he was tickled pink back in Charlotte. And, and you know, you know, my history with the Hardy boys and stuff. And Hey, look, it's, it's 2021. They're still doing their thing and they're, and they're cashing checks. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're doing it. Um, and I think at this point and, and with COVID going away and everything, I think everyone's ready. The people are ready for another major promotion to run up against the WWE and I believe with all my heart AEW is the is the company to be able to do that. They've got a huge following. Everybody there is over. Um but the most important thing that I've heard uh a lot of people say is that AEW uh are more in tune with their fans than the than the other company. Um that's saying a lot during this time because, you know, with um with with just the way wrestling is run as ran now and and as a whole, it's so much different than it was you know twenty years ago. And I believe the people are ready to see wrestling like it was in the eighties and nineties. And uh, man, I would love I would love to see another Monday Night War. You know, because I mean that right. each week you know you, you you want to turn on to see what was happening. You know, Tony, if I could chime in real quick here, you really, I love the last few lines you just said, because you hit kind of a red button topic. WWE still promotes their talent, and it, it that's what they are. They're, they're not even WWE superstars anymore. It's WWE talent. And they promote them still in a in a somewhat old school way where it's controlled by WWE. Here's the difference. AEW has their talent and they promote their talent. They do their thing, but then their talent also promotes themselves on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram. TikTok, Twitter, I can go on and on with these platforms and they're influencers on social media. They're influencing their own fan base. And then that fan base comes to the shows when they come to town. So it's almost like there's double marketing going on. Yeah. To an extent. So the AEW talent, yes, they are marketed by AEW, but their own they're their own influencers. When you look at someone like Kenny Omega, Matt Hardy, and Chris Jericho, and even like Sammy Gravara, and I can go down and down the list. The, uh, the Young Bucks as well, the, the you know the tag team, um, and even Tony Schiavone, to an extent, they are 
influencers. And that is really what is happening on the cutting edge to social media, to what is drawing crowds in and not even wrestling NASCAR is doing it too with their young drivers as well. Social media is now is the new platform to bring that audience in. And I think that's something that the WWE is a little behind with because they control their talent and what they can do on the social media stage. Yeah, I agree. Um, and everything there um, is so time consumed uh, as far mm-hmm. as uh, what they can actually do. And uh, I miss those days where the promoters went out there and said, okay, this is what we want. Go do it. Um, it wasn't writer scripting the entire thing. Um, and I, I believe that AEW um, is kind of old school like that. I don't, I don't believe the whole thing is scripted. Um, I believe that they pretty much let the wrestlers go out there and do what they do. Um, so man, I'm telling you, Chris, mark my words. I want everybody to, 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 to pay attention to what I'm about to say. It's now July the 28th. I'm re- we're recording this podcast. Um, it's 10, 11 p.m. And I'm going to tell you right, right now, Chris, within the next several months, you are going to see a huge explosion in the pro wrestling business. I mean, it's getting ready to take off. It's going to be hot. The pandemic is lifting. Um, people are getting back out there. The concerts are getting back out there because, you know, I mean, Chris, you yourself have already been out to a couple here in Charlotte. Uh, and you were just at the Dave Matthews concert just like a couple days ago. And what was it, Chris? Was it sold out or what? Uh, Tony, actually, uh, we'll, 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 we'll track back to Friday. I did go out to the PNC Music Pavilion here in Charlotte. They had Luke Bryan out there. Everyone knows who Luke Bryan is, and yeah. <laughs> whatever American Idol, whatever he's on, whatever he's doing, all that national scene stuff. And hey, Luke came out there, sixteen thousand strong. I did not go into, I, I did not go into the show. I tailgated out in the parking lot, and then, but I wanted to just see what the scene was. But then the next night, Dave Matthews Band came to town, and oh my God, twenty thousand strong at PNC. I walked in, I was like. Oh boy, we're back to we're back to the old days here and a few years ago and um and people are ready to get out, people are spending money and people aren't shy to spend money and people want to be entertained. Whatever that entertainment fix is for them, they're gonna go out there and get it because this COVID thing has really done a lot of things to people both mentally, physically socially and they want to get out and feel normal again in the professional wrestling scene, whether it be on the national level, the independent level and everywhere in between are going to benefit from it because people just want to freaking get out and be around other people and have a good time and go home and say, we had a great time tonight. And man, I think everyone's going to benefit from this down the road and then i i think the sky's the limit oh yeah i agree with you and you talk about wrestling being over uh i know the last couple weeks i didn't get to record a podcast and let everybody everyone know what i was doing but let me tell you chris two weeks ago um man i was uh i was i was like coca-cola i was all over on saturday night 
uh, let me go back and on, on the uh, on the, the the times uh, or the date uh, two weeks ago on July the seventeenth. Um, I wrestled in front of our our fans. We're finally back for NAWA. You know, NAWA is our number one um, uh, company on our show. Um, uh, but but we had they had this big show back. Welcome to the fans back into the arenas. We were sold out. People were standing in the room only uh, f- for a great night of wrestling action. And on top of that, uh, I hit a milestone that night. Okay, uh, a few weeks earlier, we had uh, Dangerous E. Corey Edsel on the podcast, and mm-hmm. he and I talked about how we couldn't believe how we've known each other so many years but never wrestled against each other. Well, the promoters of NAWA heard the podcast, and they made that come true. And, of course, Corey Etzel and myself had a singles match, and it lasted uh, a few minutes. And uh, I have to tell you, man, Corey is one tough competitor. Um, I I really didn't know how tough he was uh, until I stepped in the the ring with him. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, if you talk to Corey, he might tell you I cheated, but if you ask me, it, cheating only counts if you get caught, and, and I didn't get caught, but I did get the one, two, three. So, Corey Edsel, uh, if you're listening, uh, hey, man, whenever you're ready to do it again, I'm ready. Uh, that was a great time and a great, a lot of fun. And on top of that, fans, Corey Edsel is coming back to the Binge Buster show here in the next few weeks, so uh, stay tuned for that. Incidentally, Corey Edsel's uh, episode a few weeks ago is still right now to this day has the record for the most downloads since this podcast has been running for the last couple of years. So that right there in itself says a lot about that, about that guy. Um, love him to and, death. And, hey, and, and you know what, Tony, I, I man, I'm so happy you got in the ring with him and you know what? You're a stand up man. Cause you're going to give him that return match and who knows he might come out victorious in that second match. And then they're going to be a third match for the tiebreaker. But with that said, you know what I love about Corey? What's that? He was straight up with us. Oh, yeah. He was straight up with us and told us how it was. And he, he was raw that night, and that resonated with all our listeners and the fans, and and that's what they want to hear. They want to hear how it really goes down. Yeah, everyone likes to fluff every now and then, but, man, I, I, I that was a great interview, and you could probably – bring Corey on one every three or four months and, and we would still be entertained. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I can't wait. Uh, and I was talking about big things happening in the wrestling world. Well, big things are happening with the NAWA uh, and, uh, and later on uh, in, in the, you know, in next couple of weeks, I'm going to uh, tell everyone about what's happening, but I will tell you this, give you people a little hint. NAWA is going to be doing a huge, huge show uh, in Lenore, North Carolina, coming up um, in just a few months. And headlining that big show, Chris, is going to be none other than WWE Hall of Famers, the greatest tag team of all time. I'm talking about Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express, are coming to Lenore. And uh, who knows? They might be stepping in the foot with yours truly, or they may it may be somebody else. But uh, I know I've heard they have an open contract. And they are ready to come to NAWA. We've NAWA has had Ricky Morton there a few times, um, but not anyone like uh, 
the whole the whole team of Ricky and Robert. I'm excited about that. It's always a good time Ooh. when when you got them two in the same building. And not only that, if them two are on the building or on that card, Chris, you know what's happening. The place is going to sell out. So make sure your fans you you stay tuned and listen. Uh, as the weeks come on, and uh, I'll be releasing the date, the time, and the event information uh, for the NAWA uh, with the Rock and Roll Express. And who knows, they, they may have a few more people signed by the time that uh, that we are able to uh, talk about that show. Now, let's get into this week's podcast, Chris, as mm-hmm. when you go back and you look uh, at the you know, as we were talking a little bit ago about how wrestling's about to explode, or we feel like wrestling's about to explode. In 1996, uh, wrestling hit a major explosion with the debut of the NWO. That's right, Chris. The N, the New World Order. Uh, commonly known as the NWO, was a professional wrestling stable that originally consisted of Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash. Uh, The stable originated in World Championship Wrestling with the gimmick of a group of unsanctioned wrestlers aiming to take over and control WCW. Um, Tonight, we're going to talk about how important the NWO was and the rise and fall of the NWO coming up right now on the Binge Buster Show. All right, Chris, NWO, tell me your biggest memory or the the one thing the NWO done when when they done it, you said, "Oh yeah, they have arrived." Well, Tony, I I, I have two memories. You know, the first one is watching WCW Nitro and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall walking down through the crowd to the front row. I think they had a popcorn in one hand, a beer in the other. If I'm not mistaken, they may, I, I might be a little bit off. But I think they had a couple of ticket stubs in their hand, didn't they? If, if I'm not well mistaken, with Doug Dillinger, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're right. But before that happened, uh, there was a match in the ring, and Scott Hall right. just walked out and told him that he was there. He says, "He says you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here." And right. those those were the that that was Scott Hall's first promo. Um, right in WCW as Scott Hall of the NWO, and then as another week or so went by, he, he you know he, he gets on there and talks to Eric Bischoff and tells him mm-hmm. that he's got another guy coming. Uh, right, and it was then then of course it was Kevin Nash, and then the big swerve, the one the the one person that you never thought would be an NWO member was the biggest face at the time in WCW, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Well, he wasn't Hollywood then, but Hulk Hogan. Uh, never in my wildest dreams would I ever thought um, uh, that it could be, you know, Hulk Hogan, but it was. And, my gosh, it friggin' took off. Absolutely. No, and, yes. And I appreciate you going back to some of the what happened leading up to 
what what sits in, I think, in my mind was when Hall and Nash held their ticket stubs up to Doug Dellinger at ringside. Oh, yes. That, that was a good spot. I like that. That cements in my mind, okay, this is the real deal here. This storyline is moving forward. Something is going to happen here. And then the next storyline is when Hogan is walking down to the ring. Albeit, when if you watch it several times over, that particular segment on WCW, a nervous Hulk Hogan walking to the ring at that time because, you know, it's like, what are we going to do with them? We've got the biggest star in professional wrestling right now. We've got Hulk Hogan, and that's all the NW, uh, NW, not WCW knew at that time. We've got the biggest star from the WWF. What are we going to do with this guy? He could fight Hall and Nash and try to clean the whole thing out. Or, I don't know. You know, I mean, and then Hogan comes in. Everyone thinks he's going to clear house. Savage getting beat down. Sting was down and out, if I'm not mistaken, right? Exactly. In that particular segment. I, I, I mean, it was, just a, it, was a, it was just like a massacre going on. Well, Hogan gets in the ring and he just demolishes Savage right in the middle of the ring. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing I was I was watching um, over the weekend, uh, I watched the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, Broken Skull sessions with Kevin Nash, and they were talking about the night that Hogan turned uh, his back on WCW. Um and uh uh and you know uh turn his back on 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 the fans and join WCW or join the NWO um but there that night he dropped the leg on Savage three times but the one thing that that um that Steve Austin and Kevin Nash talked about that I didn't even pick up on was the fact when Hogan covered uh Savage if you go back and watch the tape, Chris, I, I didn't pick up on it at the time, but then when I, when I, went, when I went back and watched it, I'm like, holy moly, he did it. But Hogan kind of uh, disrespected Savage when he covered him because he covered him a little uh, bit. Yeah. He covered him a little high. He, 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 put, he put his crotch right in his face, um, mm-hmm. and that was kind of like, you know, uh, he, put, he, was putting, he was putting, you know, uh, going over on him as far as um, – you know, being disrespectful. Uh, but at the time, you know, I never, I never looked at it like that until they mentioned it. Now, when I went back and looked, I'm like, Holy moly, which in the turns tells me something. Hey, I might get some heat one day. I might do somebody. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't. I'd never do anybody. Like I'm just joking. You know, you know, I, I, you know, I can't speak on behalf of anyone on this podcast or for Hulk Hogan or, or, or for WCW or, or even for the WWF at that time. You know, I think Hogan was like in the back of his mind, he was probably wondering, and it wasn't about him. If he 
joined the NWO, I think he was wondering what it would do for the professional wrestling business as a whole. And I, and I say that as an outsider and I, I don't use, I tur- I lose that use, you know, loosely because they were calling themselves the outsiders at that time. Mm-hmm. But I think Hogan still might've been worried in 96. If the fans would have turned against professional wrestling for what he did more from a cultural mainstream reason versus anything else. I, it, it wasn't about WCW making money, WWF making money. I think it was kind of sitting in the back of his mind. How would the fans react? Cause you know, Tony, the most scrupulous fans in the world are professional wrestling fans. Oh yeah, for sure. They're, they're, they're going to turn on someone in a dime. So it was either going to fly or it was going to flop. I, I really think there was no in the middle to the storyline of this. Yeah, I agree. You know, with you. because Hogan had a lot of still WWF fans at that time. And I think that was still kind of lingering. I could be wrong in what I'm saying, but, you know, you still kind of looked at him to an extent as he was a WWF guy. Right. And and the thing about it is um, a lot of those Southern wrestling fans, WCW fans, even though Hogan came to WCW as a baby face, they didn't buy into him. They, you know, they, no, listen, I remember being in Charlotte on a Monday nitro main event sting and Hulk Hogan against Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. Now I know we're in Flair country and we're, and it was right here at the Bojangles arena, but I remember being on that card, being at that card and this is live TV. You got Hogan and Sting, who Sting's the biggest baby face there is, right? When they came out to face Flair and Anderson, they the boos, like Sting came out, they cheered Sting. But when Hogan came out, the boos came from all around the, the whole arena, and WCW had to turn the sound down, but they still couldn't turn the sound down enough to drown out the boos. And you could just look at the, the see the look on Flair and Anderson's face, going, man, you know we're we're the heels, you know we're uh, yeah exactly, and and at the time they were teasing the idea of turning Hogan heel because just a week or so prior to that show, you know Hogan came out wearing it all black and uh, but mm-hmm. then he came back out at that show wearing the wearing the uh, red and yellow. Um, but the fans, they didn't care. I mean, they hated him. So when he turned heel, that was the best thing he could have done. He should have done that when he first came in, um, my opinion, um, because it, it, it would just, it, it would have been even more over than the NWO got, but right. Looking, right. I, 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 yeah. But looking at the NWO, I, I think the NWO would have stayed hot had had they not you know drowned drowned it with so many other people joining in now it made sense if WWE guys came in joined the NWO buy into that yes but when people in within WCW started turning and joining it it almost right. it, it it got <laughs> jaded you know 
Oh no! I mean, the NWO turned into a a three ring circus. I I, I mean, literally, it, it, it did. I mean, you know, once Hogan got in, and then it, it almost kind of felt like, all right, well, all of Hogan's buddies are going to be NWO members. I mean, and then it's like, here's Elizabeth, and it's just like, what's going on here? It's like it it, 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 it was this really unique group of a few guys. And then it just turned into like, everyone was an NWO member. And, and it got to the point where they were doing so much merchandise sales and, and buy rates on pay-per-views that they pumped it up so much that it it almost freaking exploded. Yeah. Well, you know, like Chris, you know, these guys aren't even, some of the guys on there, like Conan and stuff, I mean, they're great wrestlers, but are they NWO worthy? No, not even close. Come on right, now. Right. And, and you know, Chris, you, you, you talk about sale, about souvenir sales. During that time, uh, I'm going to go out on the limb here, but I think the two biggest selling T-shirts of 96, 97 Without a doubt, NWO and Austin three sixteen. Those two yeah. shirts, man, were so over. It was crazy. Well, but uh, before we we go any further, I, w- I want to touch base on this real fast. So the night that Hogan turned and joined the NWO, I think, in my opinion, he cut the best promo that he ever cut. And if you go back, fans, and look, look at some of our, our other podcasts, we talk about it. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I end up, I think I play it on one of the podcasts, but mm-hmm. I, I just want to talk. I, I want to hit a few notes on that right here. Uh, when, when Hogan came out, done the leg drop on Savage, got the one, two, three with, without the referee even being in the ring, Gene Oakland, who was the main voice of WWE all those years. Um, now he's the voice of WCW, uh, gets in the ring and says, Hogan, excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? And right. Hogan had the best, and, and this right here set the tone and let the people know that Hogan is a 100% heel right here when he says, Mean Gene, the first thing you need to do is tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. But it's the way he said those words, man. As soon as he said it, you, you could just hear the people just explode. And when he said that, that is when the trash and the cans and the bottles and everything else started flying to the ring. Um, And Hogan was such a quick thinker. And the cool thing is, is later on, you know, he's trying to tell them why he turned. But then to really get the heat from the people, he says, as far as I'm concerned, all this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. And for two years, he held his head high. He did everything for the charities. He did everything for the kids. And the reception he got when he came out here, you fans can stick it, brother. And right there, that solidified him as a bona fide heel. And at that point in time, Hogan, Hall, and Nash were the number one heel group. They surpassed the Horsemen. They surpassed the Dungeon of Doom. And now they are the new face of heels in WCW and from that moment on had they stuck with those three or maybe just added like X-Pac and maybe Randy Savage and 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 left it there um I think the NWO would probably still be running strong but 
they put too many people in. It was just it when once they started putting so many people in, Chris, I feel like it just took the heat away from them. Yeah, I mean, it was like you know, it, it they almost turned themselves. It was a fraternity at, at one point of just guys. Oh, they had Elizabeth and, but uh, you know, let me tell you something. You go back to that interview. You know, let's not kid anyone here. Only between you and I, Mean Gene helped make that interview. Oh, without doubt. And that's why they put him in the ring. Without a doubt. He led Hogan to what Hogan exactly needed to say. Yes. And that's fine. And, you know, you you know, you, everything's 50, 50 hindsight here. I mean, because at that particular moment, WCW, I would think as a company, Eric Bischoff, whoever's at the higher levels, they didn't know where this was going. They were throwing a pond in the water because they were using, in essence, WWF guys that were let go out of contract, mm-hmm. albeit they had the biggest name in the business. They did yeah. in Hogan. But I think there was still some speculation that this could falter. This may not flow on the bigger scene. But what did Vince McMahon do? He pounded them back with Stone Cold Steve Austin in one punch. Yep. I've got one guy dressed in black, bald head, albeit a wrestler that worked in the NWA. Right. I mean, Uh it's, it's, you know, it's kind of laughable in a way. Um, But at the end of the day, the NWO, that particular interview, that particular night, they had as much heat as the four horsemen would ever have in the ring. And I felt like we were back 10, 12 years ago yeah. in the NWA. Mm-hmm. And people throwing, you don't see that anymore. People throwing things, they were throwing no, things in the it ring. It was real. I mean, it was, I mean it, this it was a gimmick, was but it was so emotional. real. Yeah. And, and this is what Hogan was nervous about. Yeah. And, and Chris, during that time, you know, during that time, they, they were filming like WCW Saturday Night, um, a lot of that at Disney MGM Studios there in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And what, then the night that the NWO attacked Rey Mysterio backstage, some of the, the patrons of Disney saw it, thought it was a real fight, called the freaking cops, said there was a riot going on. The police, right. the fire department, everybody shows up. And, man, it was real. I mean, it was it – was, for, for, Okay, for for once in the wrestling companies, you know, we we had a lot of characters, but the NWO, like when they came in, they they quit using their their gimmicks and started using real names: Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Hulk Hogan. You know, they These people they, were fired up, man. Yeah, because at this point, they're like, okay, they're from the WWF and they have invaded WCW. This okay. We're watching WWE and we see Mankind and, and Bret Hart. Okay, that's scripted. But this stuff that they're doing in WCW, that's real. And they and people bought into it. 
and it and it became real. And dude, I I remember when the NWO was first getting hot, and they came mm-hmm. in for war games, um, and they had the war games there in 1996 at the Lawrence Joel yep. Coliseum. I was there for that. It was the NWO. I was there too. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. war. Yes, absolutely. Man, you you talk about heat. When 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 they brought out that fake sting and then the the real sting came out clean uh, house, man, that was so that, that was tremendous. It was a tremendous time. Um, I don't know if wrestling could do that today. No. I just don't. I I just don't think so. No, it's it's it, it's going to take a bit to get there. Yeah, no, I I don't think so. But we're talking about a time in professional wrestling when. Tony, the money was still pouring in, and the NWO gimmick. I mean, listen, and I'm not going to lie to you. Hey, I think I came into the professional wrestling business at the right time because I made money off of that. I made money off of Stone Cold Steve Austin and the NWO because the independents were on fire, man. Oh, yeah, they were. People wanted to just see wrestling because – and if, if we, if you and I brought a guy in from WWE or even the WCW power plant or whatever was going on, they were coming. It, it was, it trickled down all the way. Yeah. If you did it right. And man, it was a hot time in 96, 98, 99, even into 2000. Really, really, even up, really 9-11 was when 9-11 happened. It you shuts know, down. The, that, yes. that that but wrestling that was on fire, fire, man. Mm-hmm. It sure was. It I, was on rocket fire. Because I know. I mean, when when you run the Thompson Armory, you you packed, you sold that place out. Mm-hmm. When when I when I ran up the street from there, I sold it out. Whenever I ran the Boys and Girls Club in High Point, just right. a few miles away from Thomasville, I sold out. I mean, like you said, man, wrestling was the hotbed. And it didn't matter where you were at. All, 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 all you had to do was put out a flyer that said pro wrestling. Boom, it sold out. I mean, it was, I mean, man, it was almost that easy. On Friday, Friday, Saturday night. You run a Friday night. You want to do an off show on a Wednesday or Thursday, a spot show, sold show, whatever you want to call it. Man, you're running Saturday night at 8 o'clock. It was on fire, man. You only needed one or two names, and you fill it out, the show. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, it was a time. I don't know. I think the time now, it, it's still there. I think that anticipation is still there. I think the fans are much different. Obviously, we're talking a you know, 20, 25-year difference. It's just different now. Yeah. It's different on how to draw fans to the show versus when we were doing it. Now it's all social media. It's, 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 it's a whole lot different now overall yeah it's 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 really different um it's a different time but you know i i'm seeing a lot of things are coming are you know are new again mullets are coming back uh yeah i mean i mean everything's coming back that was that was once over and in style so Mm -hmm. um so it it it, it's going to be great it's it's, I'm, i'm excited but you know there, there. I think there's still a few hoops that we all got to get through, but I, but I, but I know for sure we're going to get there like, without a doubt. I mean, um, I'm, I, you know, just my booking sheet has really picked up over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
I, you know, I haven't really had a South Carolina driver, oh, South Carolina driver, South Carolina wrestling license um, in several years. I've got two promoters now. They're blowing my phone up. They're blowing up my Facebook. Tony, we need you, man. We want you here. So uh, today I filled out my, my paperwork. I'm going to get my physical, get that sent in. It's uh, time to I'll, get one. I'll have that because I'm booked to go and come down there and wrestle to Rock and Roll Express. I got to come down there and 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 get step in the ring with Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Um, so I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm and I'm, and, and, and Tony, I, I I know you're. And let me tell you right now, I know the competitor you are in the ring, and I know you have. If there's anyone in the pro wrestling business, and I, I'm telling this you, that has the most utmost respect. For Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express, the WWE Hall of Famers, it's you. But I know what. When you step in that ring and you put those boots through that squared circle, I know it's all business, brother. Oh, it's you. business. But but you're right, and, Chris. And, and you're going you're gonna to push them like they've never been pushed before. And and the thing, <laughs> right? Hey, and and here's yeah, a, I know. And, and here's something that a lot of people probably don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have shared this story a few times on the podcast, but I'll share it one more time here. Right here, as we're talking about mm-hmm. it, uh, Ricky Morton, and I've told Ricky this several times. Uh, I don't think he even understands. I'm sure he does understand, but <laughs> Ricky Morton is the reason I became a professional wrestler in 1985. Okay, Jimmy Valiant, everybody knows the story. He, he and I are close friends, and he trained right. me. He trained me. Um, but I love Jimmy Valiant. I love him to death, but it was Ricky Morton that made me go, my gosh, I want to be a wrestler when I grow up. And, and, mm-hmm. it, and it wasn't maybe just Ricky Morton. It was a fact that Ricky Morton was walking to the, through the aisle in the Greensboro Coliseum. And by the time he got in the ring, half his clothes were ripped off of him and the girls were losing their mind. And that's probably the reason why I wanted to become a pro wrestler. But like, I want to be like that guy. I'm gonna, yeah. Hey, and hey, listen. And I, I grew the mullet like Ricky Morton, and and mm-hmm. I patterned my my selling after Ricky Morton. And right here, this is a gospel. I'm saying it's around the, on the Binge Buster show. But the one night that I got the 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 highest compliment that anybody could ever give me came from Jimmy Valiant. I was wrestling one night as a baby face. Now, Boogie had never really seen me as a baby face. I was just healing all the time. But mm-hmm. me and another guy teamed up to work these other two guys, and we were baby faces. And I sold for, for, the, for the match. And when I got when we got done, and I got um and I got in uh to the back, Boogie walks over to me and he said, "Brother," he said, "I ain't never seen nobody sell so good." except for Ricky Morton. He goes, but I think tonight you outsold Ricky. He said, cause I thought you died out there and you made a comeback. He said, but the way that, that, that you sold the shoulders and everything, he said, brother, that was Ricky Morton right there. And of course I had the mullet then. So maybe that's the reason, but that compliment meant so much to me. And, uh, and you know, it just sits with you, man. It doesn't go away. No, no, it don't. And, uh, And you know I'm 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 you know I'm not I'm not a young buck anymore, uh, and uh, I've got a few more years left in me. So I, my goal right now is I'm going to try to get in the best shape of my life, 
And uh, I have been. I've changed my eating habits, and I've changed. Uh, I've started running more to try to build up my cardio. Um, but all these bookings coming in, the, these these promoters that are wanting me, I, I want to give them you know their money's worth. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the best shape of my life, and I got to be in the best shape of my life if I'm gonna be in the ring with Ricky Morton, because Lord knows I've heard stories from him. Uh, when him and Flair were, were working each other, and Flair would tell him, "Hey, Ricky, I'm gonna blow you up tonight." Ricky mm-hmm. says, "No, you're not." Um, uh, so I know Ricky can go. So I gotta be able to go. So that's that's another reason why I want to get in great shape. So I got a lot. So what? what, what so what, what, how? Who's your partner for the for this thing? <laughs> you know, I haven't heard yet. I'm still waiting to, to a mystery to, partner. A mystery Sometimes partner. Sometimes yeah. that plays I mean, to your advantage. All I know is the promoter said, "Hey, uh, I want you on this date. It's going to be um, in September uh, there in uh, South Carolina." So, uh, he's, he's, I'm putting so when you, in September, Tony, you um, know, the date offhand, I don't know the date right now, but I know it's coming up, yes. uh, you know, here, uh, like it's in September. I know that as a matter of fact, let me look through my, my emails here, uh, from, but from, if the oh, partner, some parts unknown, I, even better. All right. I've got the date. The date is September the 11th and it's, yes. and it's in Rock Hill, South Carolina at the Rock mm-hmm. Hill high school. Uh, tickets are only ringside is $15 and general admissions 10. They're going to be a tremendous amount of big stars going to be there. The Rockland Express are going to be there. Dion Johnson's going to be there. Um, the Moonshine Express, terrific Tony. Oh, I mean, I can, uh, AJ Frost, who was on our podcast a few weeks ago, he's going to be there. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people there, but, uh, I hope Ricky. And you know what Ricky, I'm thinking? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe a live binge buster show there. <laughs> oh yes, for <laughs> oh, sure. Late afternoon live binge and, buster. Uh, yes, yes. Oh man, from Rock Hill, and then Tony, I might have to just hang out with you that night. Hey, I'm telling you, <laughs> hey, Chris, oh, man, this could get on listen, in Rock Hill, man. Hey, listen, this might, we might fight straight up 77 to downtown Charlotte oh, and yeah. take down the epicenter or something. I'm telling you. <laughs> Hey, this thing not going to end at Rock Hill High School. I could see a fight going all the way up 77, Uptown Charlotte. God knows who could show up from the horsemen. Good Lord. It, this could be all night long. You never know. You never know. But here's the, here's the cool, crazy thing about it. You know, uh, Eddie Trunk, uh, who who does this wrestler, uh, music mm-hmm. music podcast, he takes his podcast on the road. Hey, if Eddie Trunk can do it, the Binge Buster Show can do it too. So, you never know, fans. Check it out. We'll keep your eyes out. You might Ooh. see us live there at one of the uh, one of these big events. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chris, I mean, as as we wind down this week's show, talking about the NWO, uh, they finally kind of sizzled out uh, when when WCW was was uh, sold to uh, WWE. Um, after a year or so, Vince McMahon decides to maybe reinvent the NWO, bring them to the WWE. Uh, oh. brought them in for a little bit that worked, but really all that NWO was really for was to get Hogan over, uh, and have him bring him back into the fold. Um, and mm-hmm. of course we saw Hogan take on the rock at WrestleMania 18, uh, there in, uh, March in March of 2002. And that was a tremendous, uh, uh, event as well. Uh, but now fast forward to 20, 2021 the nwo is now in the hall of fame 
Um, I went to WrestleMania this past year. They were there. Uh, it was a uh, it was an exciting time to see the NWO and see them back in you know together. Um, and of course, at this time, the the NWO that was in the Hall of Fame, that's the NWO I feel like should have been the main NWO from the beginning. I'm talking about mm-hmm. Hogan, Hall, Nash, yeah. and X Pac. Um, but congratulations to them by going into the Hall of Fame. Um, mm-hmm. But Chris, I'm telling you, the NWO they they were over, and they really. Wow. I mean, we could talk ten you more know, hours about the NWO. Yeah, but you, um, you know, if I could say something, Tony, the NWO they came in at a time. When wrestling wrestling was really at a crossroads, I'm going to say in the mid '90s. Yes, and and it came in at a time that was really perfect for the business as a whole. I mean, I I mean, I mean, WCW was trying to find themselves, and I think WWF too. But then, what happened when Hogan went to WCW? It was probably the best thing for wrestling. Because then Vince McMahon got his games together. He's like, I got to get my my stuff together too here, and then it it, it all exploded. Yes. But the NWO, there won't be nothing like it. That might be the closest to the Four Horsemen. There'll never be another Four Horsemen. No. And the NWO is not a Four Horsemen. But you, when I look at them when they first started, the first few they were kind of the four horsemen a little bit. Yeah. To an well, extent. Hulk, Ho- or, I'm sorry, Rick Flair would go on you TV know. and I, yeah. heard, I heard him say numerous times that the NWO was, yeah. a, was a cheap ripoff of the horsemen. I, I think it was in essence what, what bigger stars of 10, 12 years later, you know, and then they were like, okay, but I think they also had this little dark mystique to them, the black and the white, and they were doing this and doing that, and they're doing the sting angle, you know, sting up in the stands and the rafters and all this. There was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, it drew money for the business. Big time. And they milked it until they milked it as long as they could. And then when the fans said okay we've had enough of this then it kind of went away yeah it's pretty much what it was and it it, it, it was you know it was it was a great time to be a wrestling fan it really was because then you had steve austin then the emergence of the rock i mean it was on at one point it was like whoa between the two and Hey, they had a choice back then in the mid to late eighties, 90s. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, and um, uh, and and Chris, one 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 of the things I, I miss most about the NWO was uh, when they'd have these have these little commercials. And I, I want to play one real quick. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. I loved when they did that. They would always say the fall announcement has been paid for by the New World Order, right. and, then, and, then, and then then they'd go into those to those t shirt sales or whatever they're selling. Um, it, it was awesome. I, I loved it, and uh, right. the NWO was was it, it, it was a great time to be a wrestling fan. Right. Um, and, and if I can go on record, mm-hmm. 
right now. I'm going to go on record right now. The four horsemen, the original four, right? You got Flair, Ole, Arn, and Tully, right? Yep. When I look at the NWO, you had Hall and Nash, right? If I'm not mistaken, then Hogan came in. Right. You had three big guys. Knocking down Savage, Sting, whoever else was hanging around. But let me tell you right now. They were three big guys in wrestling at that time. They were three big guys and they were three names. And then they were three WWF names when they came over here. Tony, you can put me on record right now. The Andersons, Tully, and Flair, skill-wise, no way. They were heads way above those guys in the ring and outside the ring. Not even close. No. It was it was it was just for it was it was made the NWO was made for television. Is what it was. Those guys they want to go sixty minutes of flair. I don't think Hall and Nash can do it. No, there's no they way. They couldn't have did it back then. Maybe, maybe. Ho- I don't think Hogan could have won sixty minutes oh, of flair. No way. Not no. not even close. So I don't even know what Anderson's I mean so that's where I'm coming from with this. You know, they were, when you say, yeah, they were a cheap ripoff of the four horsemen because the horsemen backed it up in the ring night after night after night. And if it was meant going 60, hey, if sometimes Flair and Steamboat went beyond 60 minutes. That's right. So <laughs> that's where I'm, it was just, it was made for television back then. And they were booming off of the, cable TV and everything else and the Monday night wars going on. So it, it was a great time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah. You know, the NWO, all those guys, Hall, Hogan and Nash, uh, they were just cool, bad guys. And they and, were, and I think and Scott they were Hall, big guys. yeah, but I think Scott Hall was probably the coolest. He, he, yeah. he, he got the most response when he came out and go, Hey, yo, I mean, the, the place would pop when he would do that. And then he would do and the he was still doing some of the Razor Ramon gimmick. Yeah, yeah. There was still some of that Razor Ramon gimmick going on from the early 90s when he was doing that, when he was doing the Miami, Florida kind of, you, you know, Miami Beach kind of stuff. Right, yeah. But with, he the, was, with the toothpick in his mouth and stuff, they, 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 people knew it. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, a lot of people don't, don't know this, but I'll tell you. Uh, when Scott Hall started doing the toothpick, uh, Diamond Dallas Page gave him the idea. Yeah, which is which is cool. Uh, that's kind of an inside story. Well, fans, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed the 100th episode of the Binge Buster Show as we talked about the NWO and the uh, Bojangles Coliseum here in Charlotte. Next week, fans, we're gonna have a little treat for you. I'm not gonna announce it right now, but you gotta tune in next week, and I promise. We will be, but now we're back on track. I got some things rolling. Um, one thing, though, Chris, I, I gotta say, I gotta say this, okay? And, I, and I, I'm not, I'm. Please, fans, don't come, don't, don't think I'm coming across uh-huh. as, a, as a jerk. I just gotta tell this story, okay? In pro wrestling, 
we always hear about they signed a contract. They signed a contract. They're in that contract. Oh. They're locked in that contract. So I gotta tell you about my contract experience. Um, I ain't gonna talk. I ain't gonna mention no names. I ain't gonna tell you about. I'm just gonna tell you about my contract experience. Okay, in the great state of North Carolina and in and in all the other 49 states, when you sign a legal binding contract, you are bound and bound and held what? liable to carry on that that contract obligation well okay i'm in the process of making a purchase right and uh this person mm-hmm. this person signs a contract and gives me uh, x amount of days to take care and and pay for for this for this for this item mm-hmm. um and that contract stated that um i that i i would make this payment in full on um i'll just i'll just tell you in my house okay i'm i'm in the process of buying my house from this guy and the guy calls me up and says hey i want to save the house and uh this is how much i'm going to take for it which he gave me a great deal so i really can't get uh-huh. too upset about that but here he calls me up and says hey i want you to buy the house and i want you to buy it and he was giving me two weeks to buy the house right well oh geez during this pandemic and well even when the pandemic ain't even happening, it takes a lot longer than two weeks to even get closed on a house because you, you know, no, you, you can't even. You 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 know you 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 got to get an appraisal. Uh, you got to get your financing through the bank. You got to. I mean, there's a lot of things you got to put together, and and it's not like going to Walmart. Like I told this person, it ain't like going to Walmart and buying a pack of the pins. Okay, but this person wants wants me to you know close on the house in two weeks. Uh, impossible. So, um, but I did get him to sign, but before, prior to this, we, uh, talked to the bank. The bank says, okay, we can close, but it's going to be August the 9th at the earliest. Okay. Get your lawyer send over documentation, sign the contract, uh, you know, and, uh, we'll, we'll move forward. So I get him to I call my attorney. My attorney draws up the paperwork. He sends it over. Uh, this person signs the contract, says, yes, okay, I'm good for you closing on August the – actually, it was August the 13th, right? But anyway, uh, so the, the the person signs the contract like on a Monday, and then that Friday was the day that he thought we were closing. Um, and so he calls me up and says, hey, uh, we're closing tomorrow, right? And I'm like, uh, no, we're closing on August the 13th. He says, well, you just lost the house. I'm like, um, how did I lose the house? He's like, because if you if we're not closing tomorrow, you got to pack up and move. And uh, I'm like, uh, actually, no, because I'm currently in a lease. So you can't kick, you can't just kick me out because my lease doesn't expire until, you know, the end of uh, in the, the end of the year. But more importantly than right. that, I said, hey, we signed a legal binding contract stating that we're going to purchase this house on August the 13th. You signed off on it. If you have a problem, you probably need to talk, you know, talk to my attorney. And, um, I've, Chris, I've always wanted to say that to somebody, <laughs> call my attorney. You know? Damn. Um, but I say, call my attorney. And he says, no, right. Pack up and get out of my house. I'm like, it ain't, it ain't, sir. I'm going to hang up the phone now. And I'll, the next yes, person, yeah, I've had enough of this mess. The next, and, and, <laughs> right, and, right. and I didn't cut a promo on him, even though I wanted, I wanted to so bad. I, I was a complete and early gentleman. I never raised my voice, but I said, uh, "Sir, uh, 
I'm going to hang up this because he he was getting all loud. He was he was cutting a promo on me. Um, but Damn, I but I said I, I said sir, I'm going to hang up this phone. The next person that calls you concerning my affairs will be my attorney. He'll he'll give you a call Perfect. in the morning, right? So my attorney calls him. He won't him. call you no more after that. Nope. <laughs> my attorney calls him the next day and says, "Hey, sir, you signed this contract. Uh, if you don't follow through, my clients have informed me to sue you for blah 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 blah." Um, so we're closing on the house on uh, <laughs> August the thirteenth, and uh, it's just man, it's just one of those things where like I, I don't get people. People, our good friend George South says he hates people. Well, George, I know now why you hate people because I'm almost right. there with you, George. Especially this 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 fruit, this fruit, you know. But I, I, George is a good man. George is a great so, man. Great man. He's loyal. Love well, the guy to death. George South is the absolute man and. He danced in the ring with the Nature Boy Ric Flair on many, many oh, occasions. Many times. So, we, so not many people could say that. Nope. So each week starting now, Chris and I are going to have something that's happened in our life during the week that pissed us off, and we're going to talk about it at the end of the show, and we're going to call it the South Slam and 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 paying respect well, hey, to wait, George. I South, got something that just pissed me off right now. Okay, let's hear it, Tony. I just picked up on something on television right now that you can't see. Okay. So the AEW repeat show from Charlotte just came on right now at 11 o'clock. Oh. Tonight. I'm, I'm going to close up this podcast. I'm going to try to watch it then. Yeah. But guess what sign I just saw? And I think it was a plant sign for AEW to promote themselves. What did it say? It said... The sign said, you're in Flair country, right? Yeah. And then you think a fan really put an X through Flair and put AEW along the side of it? Oh, no. That's a, that's a plant for sure. Cause, that's a cause, fucking plant. They just, uh, part of my language, I just said that. They just came on the air. There was a, they were showing, you know, they do all their, their, their shots with the cameras, and there was a sign right there. You're in. They had an X through it. You're in AEW country. Yeah. No. Come on now. Come on, man. Hey, listen. Come on. This is full. If, if, some cheap heat. <laughs> let me tell you. Charlotte will always be flair and horseman mm-hmm. country. I don't care how. A hundred years from now, they're still going to be calling this flair country. Okay. Come on now. They might even have called the nature boy. Said, "You want to come walk the aisle tonight?" That I can't. Hey, <laughs> ladies, all girls, eighteen to twenty-eight. No husbands, no boyfriends. <laughs> that um, was classic. Let me tell you right now, there. I will say this: Flair's got more memories in that building than any of the wrestlers in that building tonight, oh, brother. Hey, if, Chris Jericho, all the way down, and he was probably all night long with hey, a lot of us. If, Chris, if those walls in that Coliseum could talk, it, mm. it, it would be saying, you can't be first, but you can be next. I mean, how do you think those guys were sitting back there tonight saying, wow, the four horsemen, Man. Dusty, all that's come through here? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Really? Right. I, I would be back there rubbing the walls, hoping to get some good luck on my wrestling career if I was those guys, knowing how much talent has came through that building. Uh, uh, I don't know, performing. but that was it. So there's my rant before the show goes off. 
that was I didn't notice that sign at eight o'clock. They just did the repeat. That's a plant sign. For sure. There's no way. For sure. Mm-mm. No way at all. Hey, you know what Nate says? What's that? Keep bringing it because my name's still on TV. Hey, that's right. It doesn't matter. His name's still on national television on AEW. Flair is all elite fans. <laughs> well, the fan- major boy probably whipped <laughs> half of those guys in the ring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, in one night. And all in one night. Well, well, fans, thank you again for joining us on our 100th episode. Chris, it's been a pleasure always recording with you and being Woo! hanging out with you. And I know you and I are going to have some concerts coming up here shortly, and we'll be hanging out. I think uh, we got Kiss coming up next next month uh, up in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I'm looking forward to going and seeing Kiss, and hopefully you and I can uh, do an after party afterwards. But it's going to be yeah. a good time. Oh, man, Tony, I can't wait, man. We got so much stuff coming up. This has been a great 100th century show. I can't believe there's a hundred shows, Tony. I, my gosh, I, I'm so happy. I, I, I'm, I'm so happy for you, man, because this was just an idea, something you wanted to do. So it tickles me pink that you, it tickles me pink that you kept me along the way. And you say, hey, Chris, come on, come on, <laughs> record, oh, do this, do that. We got a show. So thank you so much. Yeah, concerts are coming and. We're going to be partying throughout the summer right into the fall of 2021. 20, uh, it's going to be great. Well, fans, make sure you go uh, like us on our Facebook page, and we'll see you or hear you, listen to you. You know what I'm trying to say. We'll see you next week, fans, on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.